But uh, for the people out there, one thing that I want, one takeaway that I took from this is I always have a saying: if you can see it, you can be it. Brother Rob saw himself in college on campus, so he definitely had that vision before it actually happened. So I, I challenge you to dream. I challenge you to to dream big and dream so big that you know it doesn't make sense to yourself. Because if you can see it, you can be it, and then. You know, basketball with coach Poles, um and i come to find out that he has a very interesting story i'm also come to find out that he is in the hall of fame at rowan university the man was like dennis Rodman, snatching rebounds and playing on the block he's got an interesting story and we're going to talk about his story and how he flipped his life around and made something out of nothing so um rob scott welcome to the show sir thanks for being here thank you uh, thanks for having me sir no doubt, no doubt. So we want to take you, we want to take our audience back to the beginning, talk about where you grew up and how that kind of was for you growing up uh, back in the day. Uh, I'm from North New Jersey, um, straight out of the projects. Um, grew up with, um, came from a young, young parents. Parents had me when they was 14, 15 years old. I was the first kid um, out of seven. Uh, so they had me at pretty young. So I pretty much grew up with them. Um, uh, we, we bounced around from, you know, projects to projects, you know, uh, dad straight away. So it was just me and my mom and uh, five sisters. And then um, we, we ended up staying with my grandmother in 7th Avenue uh, projects. And when I tell you, it was about 30. I stayed in, a, it was about four bedrooms and about 34 people lived in that uh, one apartment. Wow. And we made it happen. So that that's when me knowing how to, you know, work and work with others and, and, and me deciding what I wanted to do in life, uh, I kind of like stayed to the side and, and had an idea what I wanted to do in life, but I didn't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. Got you, got you, got you. So growing up in Newark, Brick City, um, my man Redman's from there. So shout out to Redman, sure. A um, bunch of hip hop artists came out of there. <laughs> Um, let's talk about, I mean, a lot of people look at like those situations as, as something that's super negative, but what were some of the positive came out of there? I mean, you already, I guess, have a sense of family um, that's in there, but what are some positives that came out of, of, of that environment? The positive came out of there, taught me hard work, told me that nobody was going to give you anything. Uh, you can be at the bottom, you can be forgot about. Um, you know, you, you're not going to get the same things that uh, the working class get or, you know, ab above the working class. So you pretty much uh, you can get like I got assaulted by the police on no numerous occasions. Like you want to talk about Rodney King getting his his behind kick. 
I was about 15 years old and got my behind kicked twice as uh, hard as Rodney King. But, you know, at the end of the day, because where we were, it wasn't televised or anything like that. So I knew I knew I didn't have a fair chance, uh, at, you know. So it taught me that you had to become somebody to be noticed, to be unnoticed. Got you, got you, got you. So um, it, you guys can't tell right now, but the brother's tall. So he's tall. So I'm assuming that back in the day, um, somebody noticed your size and your athletic ability. When was the first time that you picked up that basketball and then really hit you like I'm a basketball player? Um, actually, I picked it up at an early age where my dad and my uncles used to take me to the, um, the parks on the weekend with their kids. And the grown-ups used to play, you know, they had the Coke 45, you know, to the side, the music playing. You know, they'd bring the kids up, and they would pick us on the team, but we wasn't allowed to shoot the ball. It was just, go get the rebound. Go get the rebound. So I would say I was probably about eight years old, and um, I dibbled and dabbed in it in the beginning, and then I kind of left it alone. I hated being tall. When I was a kid, I cried. I went home crying to my mom because, being being tall, where I'm coming from, you know, it, it, I was the eyeball, and it was like uh, they was calling me too tall, Jones and Big Bird, and I always had to be at the end of the line. So at the end of the day, it, it, it was um, you know, I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me, she said, I don't know why you're crying because you know it's a gift to be tall. Everybody wants to be tall. This is what she told me, and she said, you're going to be my basketball player. Mm. But I, I never knew because at that time I was really uneducated. I was the class clown, so I never took education seriously, you know, so because I was trying to get the the attention off of my size and everything, and and just me being held back a couple times in elementary. I'm being I, I'm like uh, supposed to be in the sixth grade, but I'm in the fourth grade, you know, just just a lot of things that to this day was unclear but uh i knew i wanted to be something people would see something in me and uh it was when i was in a juvenile detention i was playing basketball and uh i, I was really i was really good i was dunking on people and, and, and things of that nature and i started being noticed a, a security guard mr newman he said i beat him in a basketball game and he said you always gonna be a jailhouse superstar mm. So when he told me I will always be a jailhouse superstar, I'm the type of person that's like, I can be asleep until you say something to wake me up. Mm. And I've always been that way my whole entire life. So when he said that to me, it hit me. And then I knew, I said, he's right. Because I'm in this juvenile system. Like, I'm happy I'm playing basketball against a bunch of other criminals. And it's like, I'm proud of it. So it's mm. like, okay. You're going to be a jailhouse superstar. And then that right there, I think, was the was the light. That was the motivation. That was the moment. Got you, got you. So I'm assuming that he's not the only one that kind of, uh, I guess, inadvertently uh, switched that light bulb off, off on you. Um, was there anybody else that was in your life later um, that got you to Rowan at some point? Um University. Well, I guess it was Glassboro State back then, but <laughs> we can talk about that later. But uh, was there an influential person that kind of took you under their wing and, and, and pushed you into that right direction and kept the ball rolling? You know what? Bob Newman, Southern Residential. 
I was down Jamesburg. Jamesburg is a juvenile detention center for boys. I was in Jamesburg. Um, I knew how to play, but I, I I didn't know how to play organized ball. I knew how to play street ball. I was a guard. I was, you know, like, I was a guard. I had handle, I could shoot and everything, but I didn't know how to play organized ball. So I was in Jamesburg, and a guy uh, come down. It was a program, residential program in South Jersey, Egg Harbor City. They will come to Jamesburg and look for for, for uh, juveniles that can play basketball because they had a basketball program that they was trying to implement throughout the New Jersey, the state of New Jersey. So uh, a guy said, yeah, I think you should go to this program. So I ended up going to this program in 1990. And it was a guy there named Bob Newman. Took me under his wing. Uh, this is when I used to read the newspaper with Rashid Wallace and everybody, Lou Rowe and all of them. So he will always say, hey, Lou Rowe said he's going to kick your ass. And I'm mm. like, Lou Rowe ain't going to do nothing to me. Like, uh, uh. So I and then I'll go to the gym and work out, like just shoot around and just work on my game for hours, like hours and hours and hours. So we started playing high school competition. This program started playing high school competition. Mm. We we will go travel. We got uniforms. We came up with a name for this for this team. It was called the Roadrunners. So Bob Newman will be the the he was the assistant coach. And then we had a coach named Steve Morocco. So it was a lot of college guys working in these uh, residential group homes. And they they, they were like, um, I, I want to say, uh, uh, influencing to me because this is the first time I got to see positive role models as male. And 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 just competing against them and, and wanting to be better than them, you know. That 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 really pushed me. And then the first college I ever went to visit was Rowan University. Back then it was uh 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 Rowan College. Mm. And because it was a student, it was a student, the staff were students, so they will take us up there. I met Paul uh Paul uh what's his name? Uh Mr. Wheat, Mr. Wiedemann, Mr. Wheat Whitman. He was the trainer there. Mm. So I, I walked up into that gym and I looked and I said. I can see myself playing here. Mm. I can see myself playing here. But uh, I that was far fetched. Far fetched because I really didn't take basketball seriously until I seen Alonzo Mourning and Derek Coleman mm. playing me. And at that at that time, like I said, I, I didn't know how to read. I was uh, you know, like uneducated. So so I started picking up newspapers and start training myself to like I know to play basketball, you have to graduate. You have to do some schoolwork. So I took myself out of read from, from newspapers and sports articles. And and, and 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 so Bob Newman, Steve Morocco really pushed me. They seen that I had the talent that I didn't know I had. So that was a Southern residential uh, group home. So you go from this situation, this unfortunate situation. Now you're on a college campus. Explain that transition and, and, and some of the things that you, the discipline, I guess you had to, to instill in yourself to, in order to be successful on that college campus. Uh, first going to college, I, I transferred from Wabash Valley University because um, after Southern Prep, I played against Pleasantville High School and the coach saw me. So therefore, I, I did a year at Pleasantville. Uh, we won the group two. Uh, I, I led the team in scoring. We won the group two. So I was able to get a, a scholarship. 
at a Division One junior college at Wabash Valley, Illinois, where Ken Norman played at. Um, so I went there first. I was getting uh, letters from uh, St. Joe's, um, Coppin State. So I was starting to get noticed there. But me coming out of the, the juvenile system, going to uh, Illinois under a coach that's very strict. And, and it's like, okay, this is business now. Basketball, this is business. I had fun in high school and I had fun, but this is where the money start coming in because when they're paying for your education, it's like, okay, you know. So I didn't like that. I felt far from home, so I got homesick. Uh, Joan Robinson was our principal high, uh, high school athletic director, so she kind of guided me through the steps of finding school. So I came back home. I left the JUCO, gave up a scholarship. I stayed out there for the one semester. Then I came home and I was at a Pleasantville High School game. Then Michael Burton, which is a former player at uh, was at Rowan, mm. called me because Coach uh, Giannini was recruiting me in high school. But I was like, I'm going D1. I'm not going to uh, D3 school. I'm better than D3. Right? But I ended up reaching back out to them and they brought me back to the campus. And uh, I wanted to find a home. I wanted to be stable. I wanted to find a family that I could go to war with and people that I thought cared about me outside of basketball. So mm. I, I found that there because once you had given me that, I'm going to give you my all. Mm. So being on campus was, um, I had to adjust because I still brought that street to campus because I had to get it out of my system. I, it, it was something you can't change overnight. So I'm walk, still walking through campus, radio blasting, pan sag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not taking uh, class serious, but I go to practice and I redshirted my fresh year because they had uh, Keith Wood and Michael Burton in them. So I, I redshirted and practiced against them. And I was a cocky kid. I knew, I'm like, I'm coming from a D1 Juco. Y'all can't, I'm better than that. You know, I'm better than y'all. So I went in there, set out. Then my freshman year came, and that's when stuff really started clicking. I was implemented into the starting lineup. Uh, my freshman year, I was up for rookie of the year until I got hurt in the playoffs, and I, I, I lost the rookie of the year. But we ended up going to the Final Four. So that whole college experience, being on campus, I was used to being around people because of the, the juvenile facility. So mm -hmm. being around people, I, you know, I, I was good at it. I just had to catch on to what everybody was doing as far as the educational process and the being a student athlete. Let's talk about that that uh, that Final Four team uh, that you were on um, and, and just talk about, um, I guess, finding your way in terms of being a part of an organization and being part of teams and, and being a part of a brotherhood where you probably a lot of these athletes, right? They're the best people on their teams, the best people in the area. So now you got to come together and kind of put your ego to the side and try to figure out where you fit in. Right. So talk about that process of what that was like for you. Uh, yeah. Be, being a man coming into a system where you had other people transfer. It was a guy transferred uh, from uh, Missouri. His name was Charles Grasty. Him and I came in uh, as transfers. I was a freshman. Uh, he he already played. He had one year left for eligibility, so we kind of clicked. So he he pretty much showed me the ropes as far as um, you know, being a being a student athlete on the court. And uh, you know, they had other players there. I just was trying to make a name for myself because you know, 
that transition from being a man in high school, averaging scoring twenties and thirties, and you go to college and you think, okay, it's D three, but it's still college basketball. Like I'm thinking mm-hmm. three, three, like yeah, this ain't nothing. But it's actually they're pretty pretty good players there. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's a bunch of you know some grown men that that, that actually had to feed their families, but just coming to class and being a student athlete. Mm-hmm. So it was serious for them. So being, watching the Terrence Stewart, so I just sat back. I'm a guy, I'm a guy that sit back and observe and absorb things. So I, I played my role. You know, uh, Coach G wanted me to be that rebounder that he saw me in high school grabbing 20, 30 rebounds, 25, 30 rebounds. So that's what he needed me for. But I was a scorer, so I'm like, I'm a scorer, I'm a scorer. It was a point where I get the rebound and go back to score, and he, he yells, no. And I had to be like, why is you telling me no? Like, I'm a scorer. So, so you know, I brought into everything. Um, we, were, we were clicking. We went to the Final Four. I didn't – that was my first year in college, my first year playing the full season. We went to the Final Four. That experience was amazing. Um, I was nervous as heck. I'll tell you that. I never – I never had that many people watching me, like, in that spotlight. And – um. But uh, I, I was I was ready for all I knew I had to do was play defense and rebound the ball. So we came up short in the final four my first year, and, and, and I'm yelling, we'll be back next year. We'll be back next year. Don't worry about it. Not knowing we actually would be back next year. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back. Back and won it all. He won it all. Yeah, yeah. And then Coach Pose was on that team. I believe he had that little tip in. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I tease him. I'm like, you got lucky, man. That was a lucky tip in. <laughs> but uh, with Coach Pose coming from um, you know, with all those experiences and, and me being who I am, like I said, I sit back and I'm the type of person. I want to, when I see a star player on a team and I see the attention he getting and I see the the responsibility that he has to carrying the team and everything, that that's the leader. Mm-hmm. And, and I have that, I always have that leadership in me, even when I was back, you know, doing what I was doing. I, I never was a follower. It was like, okay, I learned something. Okay, let me get some guys and let's go do this. Mm-hmm. So, so once I saw, the leadership of Terrence Stewart, the hard work uh, of Chuck Grasty, uh, Demetrius Poles, uh, just just knowing basketball, the IQ he had, and me going to get some in practice, being he, him being bigger than me, mm-hmm. just prepared me for when it was my time to actually take over the team. That's awesome. That's awesome. So somewhere in America, there's a, a young kid right now that's out there on the playground. It's a nice day right now, and he has dreams. Might not be in the best situation, family-wise and environment-wise. What's some what's some words of wisdom that you would give this this young man that's ready, trying, wants to play, but may not necessarily have all his ducks in a row right now? Um, it's never too late, and you know that 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 it's never too late, and um. To change your life around, change any situation around. Uh, you just have to, I guess, have an out-of-body experience. Like, look at your situation. Almost sit there, look at your situation. Whatever you want in life, you can achieve. You just have to change people, places, and things. 
um, you know, the support I, I learned in our community, a lot of us give up because we look for support and we feel like people don't support us. So it's like, well, hell, ain't, ain't nobody support me. Mm -hmm. I might do something else. And that's almost like, don't do it for, for nobody else. Do it for yourself. Do because at the end of the day, they never had support. The people that don't support you never had support. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to support you. And you can't, that's not a fault of theirs. It's just, you you have to keep going and then you get to a point where they're like, well, oh, he, he made it. Yes, he made it because my success, I didn't have that much support. I didn't have that much family support. I didn't have people coming to the games cheering for me. I didn't have that. I just knew once I put that uniform on, I had to represent myself. So when you're doing something, represent yourself. Uh, the work you put in is the work you're going to get out. You can't, you, you can't put, you can't expect to get money out the bank if you're not putting money in the bank. So it's just go hard, dedicate yourself, whatever you want to do, look it up and see what steps you have to take to get there. And you dedicate yourself full time and something good will come out of it. Awesome. That's awesome. And we have a segment on the show called the Teacher's Lounge. I'd like to have a little fun lighting it up before we close out. So um, at the wedding, we're sitting at the table. Uh, we're playing some music. And then the, the, the brother was coming up with some songs. I, I, I'm a music guy. And I'm like, he, he dug deep in the bag a little bit there. So we're going to make sure that we're going to do this segment based upon music. So I'm going to give you two artists. You got to choose between one or the other. You can't say both or neither. And you got to tell me why you picked that person. All right, so we we gonna start in New Jersey. We gonna start in Jersey. We'll start in Jersey. Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah, Lauren Hill. Queen Latifah. Why? Because uh, Queen Latifah, the longevity, the 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 transition from music to being an entrepreneur with the music and the, the people that she put on, like the Shot Kims and the Naughty by Nature, the Flavor Unit. Uh, the, if it was not Queen Latifah, probably would not be no Naughty by Nature. It mm. would be uh, no uh, KG. Would not be no no uh, none of that. It wouldn't be uh, North. Wouldn't be being revived right now in the city of North with her and Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, building our city up, so that's why. Got you, got you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have one foot in 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 Brick City, and we're gonna go over to Shaolin. So we're gonna go Red Man and Method Man. <laughs> it's crazy you just said that because uh, I'm a producer and I'm in here making a beat now. Before I got on the phone with you, I'm in here making uh, uh, uh cash rules everything around me. I'm sampling that right now, and, and I was just in there. That's why I was kind of you know running a little. <laughs> Uh, you good, you good. So uh, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna go with Red Man. I'm gonna go with Red Man. Oh man, I'm gonna just go with Red Man just because uh, I used to. I'm I also, I'm also an artist too. LL put me on, but me being from Brick City and Red Man, like music is my passion before before uh, basketball. Like basketball was something that took me out of my situation. But music has was taking me out of my situation as far as growing up. So I'm going to say Red Man. He represented North New Jersey. I came out of high school. Time for some action. Time, time. You know, I I, I kind of like patterned my early rap style from Red Man. So I'm going to have to say Red Man on that. All right, all right. So we're going to go with this one now. The 
world's about to end. You can bring three, I'm gonna go three albums since you're a music guy. I'm not gonna go artists, too broad. Three albums you can bring with you that's gonna change the course of music going forward. What three albums do you bring? It doesn't have to be hip hop, it could be any genre of music. Three uh, albums. Three albums. I'm gonna take um three albums. I'm gonna take the Wu Tang Forever album because it's a double album. I'm gonna take that one. <laughs> I'm take the Wu Tang Forever because that I get more I get more song, good songs. I'll take <laughs> I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take uh Tupac. I'm gonna take Tupac. I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take definitely Tupac, and I'm going to take um man. I'm gonna take uh the uh, the best of the whispers. Okay, all right. You the first one that said that. All right, I got you. A lot of people when they go old school, they go Michael Jackson. I had a Stevie Wonder one in there. All right, the whispers. My mom, my mom would be very proud of you. She's a huge Whispers fan. My mom as well. She's a, so, hey, the Whispers, baby. <laughs> but I have to tell this quick Whisper story. I took my mom to a concert in Philadelphia. They up there singing. They all singing. The music cuts off. And I found out that they were lip syncing. I said they were called the Whispers for a reason. They, you ain't supposed to hear them. That's what <laughs> right, right. The Whispers. Nah, nah, nah. So I, I definitely thank you for your time today, man. Um, any last words, any words of encouragement or anything that you got for our audience out here before we wrap it up? Yes, sir. Um, follow your dreams. Don't ever let nobody tell you what you can't do. If they tell you you can't do it, that they're scared you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Tall Guy 66 on all platforms right now. Hostile Beats is my YouTube page. That's where you can find all my instruments. If you have any singers, anybody that rap, get with me. I'm looking for artists. I'm willing to work. Uh, that's my passion. That's my love. If I became a Hall of Famer with, with something I just picked up, imagine what I could do with my passion. Mm, that's true. I got to send you some of my beats. I dab a little bit too. So I'll send you some stuff that I'm messing around with. But uh, for the people out there, one thing that I want, one takeaway that I took from this is I always have a saying, if you can see it, you can be it. The brother Rob saw himself at college on campus. So he definitely had that vision before it actually happened. So I, I challenge you to dream. I challenge you to, to dream big and dream so big that, you know, it doesn't make sense to yourself. Because if you can see it, you can be it. And then, you know, you have that determination and that work ethic to to push through. You do have to have the right people around you. I definitely believe that 100%. Um, so shout out to everybody from Stanger Avenue to SAP. Um, you know, they, those are my brothers and those are the people that I grew up with and I will, you know, ride or die with until the, the, until the time is up. But the thing that we learned in that, it takes a village to raise a child, um, but the village that we grew up in, uh, we, we were encouraged to play outside. We were encouraged to handle our differences. We fought a lot with each other, but we handled our, our differences without adult um, intervention. Uh, we stuck together. We believed in each other and supported each other um, and, and supported each other's dreams. So make sure you put yourself around the right people um, and, you know, success is around the corner. Some housekeeping things. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, shout out to everybody that attended the uh, 90s, 2000s throwback hip hop party that we did 100% of the proceeds went to uh, Cancer Research. Um, that was on November 5th. Um, again, this podcast is going to come out after that. 
Um, so um, give a shout out to those people that um, came to that particular event. We got other events coming up, our turkey drive, we got a toy drive coming. Um, I'm speaking all over the place, we're just gonna keep grinding. Um, now that COVID's out, we back outside, y'all, so stay in the